Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Saturday night get together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming your way live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can help you out. All right, Jody Mack talking some NBA basketball with one of the best who cover it. He does so for the Associated Press. He does it mostly out of New York, so I know he's got a great grasp on the Celtics and Nets series coming up. We'll probably touch on a couple things across the league with him. Brian Mahoney from the Associated Press joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, Brian? Been a while. Yeah, good, Jody. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, and I'm better because the playoffs are underway. We got the play-in stuff out of the way, and that's what the Nets used to get their first-round matchup against the Celtics in what is pretty much considered a toss-up series. In most wagering outlets, the Nets are actually a slight favorite. Do the bookmakers have it right here? It's a real tough one to call uh, because – of how you know how good the Boston defense is, how potent the Nets' offense can be, uh, whether a couple guys can actually come into the series from injuries later on. Robert Williams for the Celtics, of course, Ben Simmons for the Nets. So uh, you know it's it's as much of a toss-up two versus seven series. It feels like it anyway, as uh, as you can have. Right, two versus seven is usually a pretty significant favorite on the top-ranked team. That's not the case here, and we'll get into why that's the case in just a second. But before we go there, I know it's so difficult to control the matchups. You're playing games at the same time. It's just very difficult to do. But did the Celtics do themselves a disservice by winning that final game and grabbing the two-slot and facing off the Nets while the Bucks kind of tanked their final game and they get to go into the Bulls here in the first round, did the Nets hurt themselves by winning that finale against the Grizz? You know, there's certainly nobody nobody wanted to play the Nets in the, in the first round. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, there's a, a couple things. One, there was no guarantee, we assumed, but there was no guarantee the Nets were going to get the seventh seed. They could have lost to Cleveland and fallen down and, and ended up eight. And, right. uh, and two, you know, if, if you do survive this series, if you're the Celtics, and you certainly, if you are the Celtics, you do expect to win, uh, you know, you want to have home court in the second round against Milwaukee instead of having to, you know, to tank and then fall to three. So, you know, it's one of those, you know, the cliche, you're going you're gonna to play it anyway at some point. You know, you might as well set yourself up the best way possible, and in theory that is by getting the two seeds. Yeah, and uh, the Grizz went completely in a tank for that last game. Now we can question them after today's results. Maybe they should have played in game number 82. So the Celtics might have won it by accident anyway, even if they didn't play all of their starters in that one. These two teams played four times during the year. Do any of the results from any of those games mean anything for this upcoming series? Yeah, you know, we talked to Steve Nash about that yesterday, and he basically said, and I agree, the last one. Uh, I think the last one really kind of showed the Nets wanted that game. They played in Boston. It was after 
they had you know Kyrie back with, with Kevin Durant. They were it was after the trade deadline trade. They had pretty much the team they have now, and they played a great game. And the Celtics just played a better game. Jason Tatum was unstoppable. Uh, you know, and, and this, uh, the Nets at that point in time, they didn't need to get road wins because there was no guarantee Kyrie was going to be able to get to play at home ever. So uh, I think that's the one that shows just how closely these teams uh, match up with each other and why people expect it to be such a good series. Now, speaking about that uh, Tatum game, and I remember that game, he was huge. Shoot, he was huge all season for them, and although I don't think he's going to get it, he's an MVP candidate. We kind of know who the top three are. Maybe uh, he may finish fourth in the balloting, but had a phenomenal season for the Celtics, including that game against the Nets. How did the Nets fix that? Uh, anything different? Uh, will Durant play him more? Are we going to see a mono, a mono against two of the best players in the NBA, Durant against Tatum? You know, I don't think they have much expectation they're going to slow Jason Tatum down. Uh, you know, I, I think their their best hope would be if Ben Simmons gets healthy and can play at some point in time and, and sort of you have a great defender there to, to, to do his best against him. But Jason Tatum is an unbelievable offensive player. I mean, he basically – won a playoff game against the Nets by himself last season in that in that series where the Nets beat him 4-1. The one game Boston won was because Tatum was incredible. He was incredible in that game in, in March there uh, with the 54 points. So uh, they're they're not going to stop him. They're going to have to, you know, find ways to outscore Boston uh, because Boston's going to get their points. That's just how good he is. All right, since you uh, mentioned the name, I'll go there next. Ben Simmons. Uh, the Nets have gotten no action out of Ben Simmons yet. He didn't play for the Sixers. Sometimes injuries, sometimes mental health, uh, just a general desire to never put the uniform on again. So he ended up playing no games for him, gets traded to Brooklyn, does his introductory press conference. I was excited about being there, but now he's had this back issue that has kept him from playing. They're hoping to get him back at some point in this series. How risky is it to throw a guy who hasn't played a game in a year into a playoff matchup like the ones the Nets and Celtics are going to have? You know, I, Joe, I'd be skeptical about what he can do, uh, and that's no disrespect to Ben Simmons. I would say that about anybody, uh, you know, who hadn't played all season. I mean, Michael Jordan came back at the end of a season he hadn't played, and the Bulls didn't win. It's just, and he didn't play great at the end of that playoffs. It's just, it's hard to do. Uh, you know, you need a season to be ready for the postseason. Uh, now, certainly, you know, if Ben Simmons is in shape, he's still a great defender, doesn't have to score a lot on this team. There's reason to think it's doable, but I think it's just a really, really big ask. The Nets insist if he's ready, when he is ready, they'll play him. But uh, what you can expect, I, I think it's just hard to ask for very much. Will he be used basically as a defensive stopper? You've got enough scoring on that team. Ben Simmons doesn't like shooting. He's not very good at it, but he can score some. But uh, who knows, after a year of sitting around, will he just basically be relied upon to go on, go in and put some defense on somebody when he does play? I mean, that'll be the most important thing. Also, offensively, they expect he can help move the pace a little bit and, and open up the floor. You know, he's a, he's a great passer from, you know, up in the high post and, you know, get defensive rebounds and start the fast break himself. There are certainly some things he can do that would really benefit the Nets, but defense, I think, far and away would be the most important one, especially against the, the, the talent on the wings that Boston has. Brian Mahoney, Associated Press, NBA writer, our guest there on uh, CBS Sports Radio. All right. Uh, let me ask you about uh, the Celtics overall. 
they're arguably the best team in the Eastern Conference in the second half. Got off to a bit of a slow start. At one point, we're actually on the outside looking in for the playoffs or play in 10 deep. But they had a great second half and got uh, up to the position where they finished second in the East. How and why did they pull that off? Well, you know, a couple of reasons. One is, uh, you know, they have a, you know, a, a couple of great defensive players. Rob, uh, Robert Williams, of course, is, you know, not able to play right now. But him and Marcus Smart, uh, that you, when you have two great defensive players out of your five to start things off, that's terrific. And then you have, you know, Jalen Brown got healthy. Jason Tatum took the next step, had an incredible year. Having Al Horford back with them, uh, you know, a, a good defender and a good passer as a big man, just everything kind of clicked for them. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, it took time to get it all figured out. But once they did, uh, they weren't just winning games. They were crushing teams, uh, including, you know, two wins against the Nets when the Nets didn't have a lot of guys. But still, you could see how good they were. And, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty long run that they had. And they are uh, they are really, really good. I didn't see it coming the way they started the season. But once they locked in, there's a, there's a lot to like about them. Much like the Nets, who made the big change with the Harden for Simmons plus, and we'll get to the plus in a second deal that uh, the Nets and the Sixers made, the Celtics added a key piece in Derek White, who seems to have fit very nicely into what the Celtics do and the way the Celtics play. How key is he to Boston in this series? Yeah, he's been a nice fit. I was surprised San Antonio traded him. I thought he had a, you know, a couple of years ago, and he had a nice future coming up there, and uh you know, uh, another, you know, good athlete, a uh, good ball handler. You can, uh, you know, change things up the pace you play at when he's in the game. So, uh, yeah, that was a real nice move for them. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, could certainly, you know, come swing some games uh, when, when he's in the game. And he's very good on defense as well. Will it be Marcus Smart most of the time on Kyrie? Will they use White on him? I know the Celtics do a lot of switching on defense, and then it's you got to have faith in your guys that when you switch, they can check up whoever they're taking. But if it's mano a mano and Kyrie can go mano a mano with anybody in the league, doesn't need a pick to get his, who's going to be the guy you think will be matched up against the most? Yeah, you know, I think obviously when you have someone as good as Smart, you you you, you know, I don't know why you'd look further. At the same time, obviously, even a guy as good as Marcus Smart is not going to stop Kyrie. The way Kyrie's played this year, where he's going to score, and even Marcus Smart knows that. But you start there, and then you give him a diet. If you bring in White a little bit to to take some pressure off Smart, uh, give him some breaks from that. But uh, you know, and even I'm sure Jalen Brown will get some chances. They have guys that they can do it. Uh, they're a little deeper, I think, than the Nets and. Uh, you know, those guys will get some cracks at it, and, uh, you know, Kyrie's going to have to be ready to, to take on a few different guys in this series. Speaking of the depth of the Nets, they certainly added two nice pieces, even though they've got nothing out of Simmons so far. Seth Curry and Andre Drummond have both stepped in and helped the Nets when they needed it. Um, how, uh, how many minutes do you expect Curry and Drummond to get? We know what they've gotten so far. More or less exactly the same here in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, as far as Curry goes, I think it's just, you know, how much can he handle? He's been battling, you know, an ankle injury for quite some time, and they've tried to get him rest when they can. So he hasn't been able to be sort of as good as I think, you know, he could be for the Nets. Uh, but Drummond's been terrific, and, uh, you know, and they would not be where they are without him. Uh, they didn't have that kind of piece at all, especially once LaMarcus Aldridge got hurt, who they were kind of counting on to be their starting center. And, uh, you know, Boston has big guys. And so, they're, you know, I think they had to take Drummond off the floor quite a bit against teams who played him small when, uh, you know, Boston's going to have big guys out there and he's going to have his chances. And I think he'll play very well. He's, he's played well down the stretch, and I see that continuing. 
thought one of the uh, key additions that the Nets made in season, uh, we always hear about the, oh, the buyout market. We got somebody in the buyout market. The buyout market is where we'll get the final piece. There really wasn't much of a buyout market this year. Uh, call it what it is or why you think that's the case, but one of the key guys who moved for me was Goran Dragic, and I only heard him tied to about eight or nine different teams, and not the first one was the Nets, and that's where he ended up. Uh, two questions. Number one, do you agree that the buyout market turned out to be a little bit of a fizz out? And number two, why did Dragic end up with the Nets and how big a contributor do you expect him to be in the postseason? Well, yeah, Jody, you're right, because the last couple of years, and the Nets certainly last year, you know, went to the buyout market, and uh, that's that's the way a lot of teams have, have done it the last couple of years. It's just yep. much easier than trying to make trades in season. Um, yeah, as far as Dragic, I you know, that was a little surprise. We'd heard him uh, linked to, uh, link to other teams. And, uh, you know, Steve Nash, his relationship worked out there. And that was huge because, again, they didn't know when or if Kyrie Irving could play home games. So getting a, you know, a starting caliber point guard at that point in time was, was a huge for them to add to their team. And Dragic is a veteran who's been there, done that in the postseason, which never hurts. All right, uh, one more Nets question before we move on to a couple of the other series. Uh, Bruce Brown has been a really solid contributor to this team for a while now. I always thought he was your marginal, give him his uh, couple of minutes in the first half, second half, he'll go out there, he'll hold down a position for you. But he's been more than that for the Nets. Um, he, he, he gets a lot of credit, but how much do we give Steve Nash as the coach who's had faith enough to use him and get the most out of him as he has? Yeah, it's, you know, I, you're both sides, you're absolutely right. One is them kind of finding a role for him, uh, you know, a different kind of role for a guy his size. Uh, and two, he's just gotten better and better. He's obviously worked at his game a lot. and You know, you saw in that playing game against Cleveland, uh, the Cavaliers were playing off him, which – you know, you, you know, you got to worry about Durant and uh, Kyrie. You can't take everything away. And, uh, you know, he was either making his shots or creating shots for Drummond or Nick Claxton inside. So uh, Brown's played great, and uh, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, he has a lot of confidence going into this series the way he played over the last couple months. All right. A lot was made out of uh, James Harden saying this week, oh, I don't feel any pressure on me coming into this series which I woefully disagree with. I think he's got as much, if not more, pressure than anybody coming into the playoffs. And I do think that's a factor in the Sixers series, James Harden, and in the Celtics and the Nets series as well. Who's got more pressure on him, Boston or New York? Uh, probably the Nets. Uh, they, uh, you know, I think when you build a team that they have, uh, it's a pretty short window. Uh, you expect you got a couple of years with, with this great talent together, and you got to take advantage of it. They didn't get close last year. Uh, they sort of have a second chance now. It looked like they were in trouble late in the season, uh, going, you know, 10th place at one point. So, uh, you know, the pressure's there. Uh, I think whatever Boston does now will be great, but this wasn't quite expected for them to be quite this good. The Nets are supposed to be. So uh, I think it is right there. All right, uh, so far in the postseason, well, at least the playoffs, well, you can even go back to last night in the two uh, final play-in games, two road wins, NBA early action, first two games today, road wins. So we've had four straight road warriors. Uh, what kind of a road team is that? Can you even determine whether the Nets are a good or bad road team with the in and out of their stars in the lineup? Uh, you saw enough of their games. Do you consider them a team that can go into Boston and get a road win or two if they need it? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's one of their strengths, really. They knew they had to be a good road team. They were playing without one of their two best players at home for a lot of the year. You know, whenever they had a chance to have their lineup, they had to take advantage of it. And uh, I think that whatever, 24 wins on the road, one of their best road records ever. So, uh, absolutely, they are comfortable that they can go on the road and win a game. And, uh, they're you know, they're, they're one of the best in the league at it this season. Kyrie does kind of swing the balance of power with that with Kyrie without Kyrie. Yeah, you certainly would rather be with, and that was the case on the road this year. All right, game number one. I know you don't do this, or if you did, you wouldn't cop to it and tell me about it. Uh, but if there were some headlines dancing around, some potential narratives for tomorrow's game, what are you looking for game one to look like for both the Nets and the Celtics? Well, you know, a couple things going around. One, I think the Nets have great momentum right now. Uh, Whatever they won four or five in a row uh, down the stretch, uh, you know, they come in really hot. And, uh, you know, let's see what the crowd is like. Kyrie going back to Boston. Uh, Boston is a great playoff crowd no matter who they're playing. Uh, One of the best places in the NBA. And now you have, uh, you know, this great, you know, and, and let's see how good a game it is. Again, we're expecting this to be one of the best series here, no matter what the seedings are. Uh, so I think let's see if the first game sort of shows it's going to be what we expect. Get ready to cover seven, because I think this one's going long. Uh, enjoy it all. We appreciate uh, you hopping aboard with it for a couple minutes today, Brian. Enjoy the hoops, and uh, happy Easter, my friend. You too. Thanks a lot, Jordy. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Brian Mahoney, NBA writer for the Associated Press, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Celtics, Nets, or any of the other NBA playoff action, we got day one of the playoffs in today. We'll add that much more tomorrow with four big games, including Nets and Celtics. Talking some hoops here, mixing it in with the baseball, the football, wherever you want to go on my phones. 855-212-4CBS. Get you on with the Mac Man on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.